WERU.org and click on the Public Affairs Audio Archives link. There you can explore locally produced news, public affairs, and short features dating back to 2006 and updated weekly. Use the search box to find the topic you're looking for or scroll down and search by date or show name. The WERU Public Affairs Audio Archives, just another way we work to keep the community informed, made possible with your support here at WERU-FM. Boat Talk is brought to you in part by Captain Yo's Flaming Fish Performance Models, handmade miniature wooden sailing vessels, on the web at flamingfish.net, little ships for big kids. Support for Boat Talk also comes from Front Street Shipyard, a Midcoast, Maine boat building, repair, and storage facility located in Belfast. Front Street Shipyard on Penobscot Bay, offering dockage, service, and amenities for owners, captains, and crew. Online at frontstreetshipyard.com or 930-3740. And you're listening to WERU FM 89.9 in Blue Hill, 99.9 in Bangor. Streaming on the line at WERU.org. We are a voice of many voices. We're volunteer-powered, and we are listener-supported. Stay tuned for Boat Talk. Good morning. Good morning. It's um, 10 o'clock in the morning, second Tuesday of the month. Time for Boat Talk here on Community Radio, WERU-FM, Blue Hill 89.9, 99.9 in Bangor and around the world at WERU.org. Boat Talk is a, uh, a call-in radio show here on Community Radio for people contemplating things naval, usually with your uh, rusty anchors, Mike Joyce and Alan Sprague, but... Um, on Mike Joyce is uh, being corporate right now. He's offshore, or offshoring anyway. So it's going to be uh, Alan Sprague and two uh, guests who have been back on, um, uh, coming back on to Boat Talk for a, a reprise. Art Payne, uh, old friend and uh, multi-talented marine captain, designer, painter, and Giffy Full too. Back, uh, welcome back, Giffy. Thank you. Yeah, Good glad, to be here. Glad you're back here on the on the on the. Okay. <clears throat> so, um, uh, boat talk is a, a call-in radio program that covers a whole variety of topics. Uh, anything from uh, how how small can you get to be a dinghy, or uh, does it take uh, stern measures to make a transom? That could be a, a good question. So. We're going to uh, explore all sorts of things, and as I said, it's a call-in radio show, too. If you have anything that you'd like to talk about or, or discuss, one eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight 625 is the number to call in for uh, any questions or comments to Community Radio. We are going to talk about several topics, but one that uh, is going to be probably dis- discussed first is... Uh, the fisheries in the northeast, uh, northeast New England area, the New England Fishing Fisheries Management Service has proposed a uh, a new proposal. It's called Amendment 18, and Amendment 18 uh, will allow individuals, and it's, it's individuals in quotes, to uh, have up to um, okay, 15 uh, percent of the sh- 
quota share for, for ground fish, and that uh, 15% would add up to the possibility of only seven individuals having the entire market share for the fish. And we'll be talking about that in a little bit, but we already have a phone call. We're going to go to Captain Yo. Good morning, Yo. Ooh. Studio is too great an opportunity no, for me I'm to afraid, pass up. I'm afraid I can't hear you. Oh, fooling. Hello? We're having a little problem with our headphones here in the studio today. Hello? Hello? Can you hear me? Let, let John you know, come in. It's a strange thing, Captain. I can't hear, uh, can't hear both John of you either. you can be heard, but apparently the audio is not going into the studio. So we're, we're having some technical problems here, and... Um, We'll just have to have you folks continue the conversation in the studio until uh, until we can get things wrapped up. Um, right now, Joel Mann is checking on the connections and trying to see whether there's something wrong with the isolation booth audio. Um, we did have audio in the studio, and um, now we don't anymore. So hopefully we'll have that connected in just a second. Yo, are you still there? Ah. Yeah. Okay, we're still we're I, connected. Yeah. Go we're, ahead. We're still here now, too. Uh, good and we morning. can hear. <laughs> yes. Good morning, Captain Yo. Welcome to Boat Talk. Yo, are you there? Nope. Nope. Yo left. <laughs> so anyway, we're going to go back to the uh, the topic of uh, uh, marine uh, ground fish resources here in the state of Maine. It's an interesting topic that uh, a lot of people, especially uh, along the coast here, are, are concerned with uh, keeping the... Uh, the fishing rights as local as possible so that uh, we who use it can uh, can use the, reap the profits. But we're, we're back to Yo again. Yo has uh, returned his call. Good morning, Yo. Welcome to Boat Talk. Uh, Yo, you're not coming through. Okay. Uh, there you are. Okay, Yo. <laughs> we're there now. Go ahead. Boy, we're not having a, a good electric day today. Uh, yo, we heard you for about two seconds and then went away again. We're having uh, definitely gremlins here. So let's uh, continue on and we'll see if we can get this figured out and, and talk about uh, Art Payne and Giffy Fold, both, both the guests here today, who uh, go a long way back. Why don't you, um, let's, let's try Yo one more time. Good. Yo, are you there? Hello. <laughs> oh, you can hear me? I can hear you. Good, good. Yes. Well, um, as I was attempting to say, having Giffy on the program is too big an opportunity to pass up, so I wanted to ask a technical question. I'm in the process of hanging a couple of new planks on Annie McGee. She's an older vessel, and she's been out of the water for three years now. And she's dried up a little bit, and most of her seams have, have opened. And what I'm wondering is, with my new planks I'm putting on, should I follow the rule, don't build like a basket and expect the caulk to keep the water out? Or should I ease my new plank a little bit so when she's in and takes up, she doesn't rack the screws out of the frames? Thank well, you for putting on this program, and thank you to everyone for supporting Community Radio. Thank you, Yo. Yeah, those planks should not be put on tight. They should be eased up. Otherwise, those planks, I wouldn't worry about the fastening so much, but the planks 
They're way too tight. They're going to buckle. Can't stop them from buckling. What are you using? What oh, are you, uh, yeah, you you hung up. So, I I'm guessing he's using yeah. uh, cedar. But well, if it's it's cedar, you can do more with cedar than anything else because it's soft and it it uh, it, it swells easily and uh, tightens up quick. Tightens up quick. Yeah. And um, but. I think the first thing you have to do to help, you should try to get that boat soaked up a little. Uh, I don't like using fresh water, but what you could do is take soaker hose. Just take regular soaker hose, two lengths, go up each side of the boat under the deck and hang them along the shelf and the clamp and just try to let her come back together some. I know what I'm talking about because I know uh, a fairly large yacht that I took care of several years ago is now uh, was down in the tropics sitting out for about three years and I I suggested they were going to have nothing but headaches with it and that's what they've had. Hmm. Nothing but headaches. Uh, so let's, let's do a little bit more... Um uh, theoretical, what about if the planks are hard pine or mahogany, something harder? Well, hard pine, would if it was real hard pine, that, by that I mean planks that were full of resin and never had been bled for turpentine, it's going to be very little come and go to them, very little. So you'd make them fit fairly tight, just enough yeah, coffee Yeah, reasonably tight, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and uh, yeah, it's... Uh, it's that's really that's 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 and, wonderful material. Yeah, I I didn't realize that they took turpentine from the planks. I thought they just ground up the whole tree. And no, the, they they bled them just like you. I believe I've never done it or been involved in it, but I think they they did them just like you do maple trees. I had heard that they filled a freight car with them, and they they drive the whole freight car. Um, full of the, I'm not sure if it's the trees or flitches, but, and they put it in an oven and they bake the thing and the, the resin, the turpentine flows out the holes in the bottom of the freight well, car. Well, it could be, because I, I frankly don't know what I'm talking about. I only know the results. Well, but we have that in common. Yeah, yeah, this is the perfect show for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I have to say one point. I worked out at, I still work a little bit out at Cranberry Island Boatyard, and we've got several parish off 12 and a halfs out there, and and most of them really do need the garbage replaced. And yeah, yeah. So but they're planked with mahogany, right? No, no, they're planked with cedar. They were? Yeah, the, yeah. the early ones. Yeah. The one, yeah. the, at okay. least I was replacing cedar for cedar, and I think I was yeah. replacing the yeah. original one. And that same question came up. Yeah, so but uh, the other thing I'll throw at you, how many of those boats that are cedar planked did you see with much of any rot in them? Never saw any rot. You're damn right. <laughs> cedar, cedar... Cedar's great stuff, and uh, but it depends what you're going to do with it. Well, what it's you, great for planking. The and first, <laughs> the first uh, boat that was built on the uh, Sea Princess model was my your run, model. Huh? Your model. Yeah, was uh, built at Cranberry Island, and we planked that boat with cedar. She's a big boat to plank with cedar, and it, it was great. It could never cause us any trouble except one. 
it never should have been used for a boat that big because, and what we did with the boat, because the fish hooks and dogfish spikes would get into the planking. Uh-huh. So every year when we painted that boat, we'd have to go all around her and cement up these little digs and holes. It's a fine boat. She lasted, as far as I know, it's still going 40-some years or more. Sea Princess? Oh, no, yeah. No, yeah. no, no, not uh, the, the number one boat okay. called the yeah. Queen. And, uh, and she, but... The next boat, we built another duplicate to her at Cranberry Island, and we planked her with mahogany, and it made all the difference in the world. But the cedar will outwear the mahogany. Outwear? Yeah. yeah. But, you know, then it depends on who took care of the boat, you know? Yeah, care is an important thing. In yeah, well, I've boats. seen so many boats that get good care, and they're 50 years old in beautiful condition, and I see... Boats have a short lifespan because they just not didn't get any care, get left in the wrong place, the wrong condition. And so, speaking of old boats, Giffy, here's something close to your heart. Did you know the uh, Constitution is in dry dock now? Yeah, yeah. Old yeah. Ironsides. Yeah. G- Giffy, uh, you surveyed that boat. Yeah, a uh, few years ago. Way way back for what was that? Seventy six, seventy. 75, mm. I think it was 1975. Was it in she the water? Was, oh, yeah, she yeah. was in the water. Yeah. Um, it was mostly a political survey, if you want to know the truth. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we've yeah. seen some of those. Yeah, well, I think it, I felt it was because there was uh, politicians fighting over where it was going to go for who to see, you know. Yeah. And, uh, and there wasn't anything wrong with her going anywhere they wanted to go with her because... Huh. She really wasn't given any trouble at all. Plus, when I was a youngster, I think 1932—that is a long time ago—all <laughs> uh, the school children had put up a lot of money to for her to be rebuilt. Yeah. School children—they'd save pennies and nickels and everything yeah. to rebuild the Constitution. That's where the money went. Yeah. But they uh, took her all around the country. <coughs> she went on her own bottom. All the way from Massachusetts to the West Coast. That's pretty amazing. Um, We have uh, Mike is on the phone from uh, offshore, so we're going to take a call from Mike and see uh, where he's at. Hi, Mike. Welcome to Boat Talk. Morning, guys. I'm a big fan of the Constitution, but don't you know better than talk politics on Boat Talk? (laughs) We can't help it. Are you going to vote for my man or not? (laughs) Headed up the Cape Cod Canal right now. Yeah, you pro- can you find your way through? So far, <laughs> I believe we're going to spend the night up here. And, night? What uh, do you mean, spend the night? From uh, Hampton, Virginia, on Thursday morning. You're going to spend the night in the harbor of refuse. Yes, exactly right. Yeah, that's a good yeah. spot. Uh, well, on the boat here. In the old uh, days, out. in the old days, we just keep going. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. stay to we the right, or they'll arrest you. Giffy, but there's two of us here. We've been going since uh, Thursday morning nonstop, and uh, we had a real sloppy night last night, and yeah. we could use a little nap. Yeah. And, uh, well, why do you need? There. Why do you need two? Because <laughs> <laughs> we haven't got you here, Giffy. Yeah. Oh, I wouldn't go. I'm smart enough not to go with you guys. What are you on, Mike? Last night, I come on watch at uh, midnight last night, about uh, three miles uh, the far side of Verrazano Narrows Bridge. And 
by 3 o'clock in the morning, I'd got her up uh, through Hellgate. And uh, what a beautiful night to drive through New York last night. And uh, just absolutely stunning going under that uh, lightweight Verrazano Narrows Bridge. A lot of traffic, of course, in New York, uh, especially and even including in the middle of the night. In the parade of ships and barges was a square-rigged bark came down the river. Huh. And uh, it was a beautiful sight. Didn't get to identify her, but, again, we've been uh, traveling and seeing some sights. And uh, this is an older boat, which has been sitting in a marina for several years. And uh, we've uh, uh, little concerns about the fuel system. So far, so good. And, and uh, it's on our chore list today and hope to be home Thursday afternoon. That's about the size of it. Okay. You got somebody to uh, cover your uh, Beerfoot Blues Hour tomorrow, Mike? I hope so. I left it with them, and if nobody shows up, uh, you know. <laughs> One hour uh, of dead air. mention it to Joel. Thanks, Alan. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, that's my story. We're coming up on the Harbor Refuse here, as Giffy puts it, and we're going to go in and get some fuel and have some lunch and uh, spend the afternoon choring around, be home tomorrow. Be tourists. Yeah. All right, Mike. Well, have a good one. Uh, thanks, thanks for calling in, and uh, we'll be talking with you next month. Now, tell me, what are you folks talking about today? Anything in particular? Well, we're, I think we're going to be talking about the uh, Hermione, or as you properly say, it's uh, what's what do you what's this really called? Limion. Limion. Yes. Um, and uh, we're going to be talking about uh, fishing rights or quota shares uh, here locally too. That'll be interesting. Could I give you two little tidbits about Lemion? Sure, go ahead. She's uh, coming to New York as well. Mm -hmm. An effort was organized to see if they could light up the Empire State Building with a complimentary tricolor. That's not done without... uh, That costs a lot of money. Uh, They charge for that, and they're not willing to donate uh, red and white and blue lights to that boat uh, unless a large fee is paid. That's not going to happen for them in New York. The visit to Caspine is not a free visit. Uh, the town of Caspine, as I understand, has uh, a uh, fair bit of money out on this. And again, that gets people buzzing, too. Hmm. We're going to be talking with the Caspine Historical Society later, I, I believe. So we'll uh, we'll ask them about that, Mike. Nice. And again, from a Harbormaster point of view, it's going to be a confusion and a uh, uh, good time. Looking forward to it. Uh, I can't wait to hear uh, later, and have a good time, boys. Sorry yeah. I ain't there. Yeah. Thanks, good Mike. Good to you, I ain't, too. All right. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yep. Fair winds, Mike. Yeah. I don't know anybody in my among my nautical friends that isn't planning to go to North, to Castine for the That'll be fun, yeah. yeah. But we have uh, Kyle from uh, the Penobscot East Resource Center on the phone right now. We're going to be talking about the, uh, the aforementioned fishing quotas. Good morning, Kyle. Welcome to Boat Talk guys so um i think probably you know more about this than we three here so why don't you explain the uh, the basic principles of amendment 18 yeah well happy to to be on the show today i really appreciate um you guys having me on um i guess the the best way to describe amendment 18 is um an action that the new england fisheries management council um has been looking at for for some time now, a couple of years. Um, back in 2010, uh, they transitioned the ground fish uh, fishery over to sectors management, um, which essentially um, is uh, privatizing the the fishery in the hands of the folks who had it. 
um, and creating a, a market that uh, allows for those permits to be moved around and that sort of thing. And the, the big concern, especially from small-scale fishermen in, in communities like the ones we serve up here in Maine, um, is that consolidation would lead to um, problems for small-scale fishermen, just no ability to access the fish um, or the communities that were formerly active in the fishery uh, to, to, to be active again in the future. And so Amendment 18 was a sort of series of options that the council looked at um, that were hopefully going to put some backstops in place to, to allow the fleet to remain diverse and protect these small-scale community fishermen. Um, but at this point, it's uh, eroded pretty far from that. And as you said, it's uh, the only options uh, left in the document uh, don't actually do much to accomplish that goal. So um, definitely a concern for, for Penobscot East uh, here in Stonington as an organization, but also for the communities that we're trying to serve in this process. All right. So fishing shares, why don't we explain uh, how fishermen uh, obtain and hold these shares to the quota? Yeah. So um, when they when the council um, switched us over to um, the sectors system, basically what they did is they chose a series of years. I think it was uh, 1994 through 2000 and something. And what they did um, is said, based on the catch that folks had had during those years, um, they essentially were guaranteed a percentage of uh, each stock that they had landings for. Um, and so basically these permits were given quota or access to the fish based on what that permit had been used to catch in the past. And so that was really troubling for the folks down this way because that time frame that they chose that 1994 sort of on uh, time frame, we had already lost our ground fish here in, in down east Maine. Folks who are familiar, I imagine a lot of the folks listening to the show or you know, know a little bit about the history of down east Maine, that, that our ground fish stocks um, collapsed or, or were you know, pretty significantly reduced uh, starting in the 80s and 90s. And so a lot of the folks who traditionally fished and jumped back and forth between lobster and shrimp and ground fish um, lost access. And so that's another part of the, the problem here. <laughs> so uh, sort of uh, a lot of different fronts why this is difficult for, for folks in Down East Maine. Do you have any idea how many uh, uh, fishing shares are in, a, in working right now in the, in the state? Well, um, I know that there's been a, a pretty severe reduction even since the beginning of sectors um, in the number of active fishermen. Um, the numbers, obviously, back in the uh, you know the 80s and earlier, um, there were hundreds of, of ground fish fishermen um, in in Maine, and and now we're down to uh, a couple dozen. We work um, very closely with uh, a number of folks who formerly fished um, and some guys who would like to get back into fishing. Um, but right now, a lot of the guys that, that we, um, that even have permits, uh, can't, uh, actually use them because they either didn't get assigned any quota under this system, which means they'd have to buy it from other, or, or lease it from folks that, uh, were lucky enough to, to get quota under this new system, uh, to go fishing, 
given the, the small catch limits um, and quota that's available right now. Kiffy has a question for you. Yeah. Am I correct in believing that at the present time there's no fishing for codfish? Um, so there's uh, the the so the federal rules around um, codfish is um, recreationally there's no you, you're not allowed to keep um, codfish right now if you're you know if you were out. Uh, with your family fishing and and happen to catch a few cod, um, you'd have to release them. Uh, federally, uh, guys who have quota in this new sector system um, or have leased it from someone who's lucky enough to have quota, um, they can keep cod. So, but the the number that you know that quota is um, very small compared to what. You yeah, know, it's yeah. been even in recent years. Yeah, so. uh, I, I can, yeah, that's, that's the way I read it. And, uh, well, if it has to be that way, okay, but it should be the same for everybody. Yeah, and that's exactly what we're talking about, that yeah. that this, this new system is, is you know, uh, really difficult for small-scale guys. It's not really a fair uh, playing field because, um, you know, since they have to go – go out and lease this quota there's folks who happen to have a lot of it <laughs> um and they can essentially set the price um but also um it's not you know the the sort of traditional model we oftentimes think of as a uh, a fisherman you know maybe a young guy goes out and he, he fishes with uh, family members or friends and you know works his way up and and gets into the system and and builds a viable business there um, that's not an option because these guys now, in order to, to do that, you have to have this permit, and you have to have yeah. the quota, and yeah. you have to go out and buy it, essentially be the highest bidder, <laughs> yeah. which is difficult. <laughs> so speaking of highest bidders, Kyle, um, is it theoretically possible for uh, a company from, well, s- some foreign company or country to uh, buy up these uh, quotas? That's a that's a great question. Um, right now, the way I've interpreted the the the, the system, um, and I have a pretty extensive background in, in reading through these kinds of regulations, is um, it's definitely been raised, um, and I don't see any reasonable protection saying that a foreign company couldn't um, buy buy up permits um, or uh, go. A, you know, use a more convoluted process and uh, bankroll somebody or a, a corporation to be able to do it. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I think this, you know, the, as it is, um, the council hasn't put in place any protections that, that would really prevent that from happening. So in theory, then, it could be possible that seven foreign entities could own the fishing rights along the coast. Yeah, and that's that's really troubling. Given you know this is a this is a public resource, um, and being able to you know fish for this public resource is is you know it should really be a, an opportunity, not a right. You know, it shouldn't be the highest bidder just going out and 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 buying up what's you know the no, advantage for the public good. No, I never should go out to bid like that. Should be definitely have restrictions. Yeah, yeah. No question about it. Definitely. And, you know, for folks that are interested, um, you know, the the timeline on this right now, the the council is working on um, uh, sort of doing their final analysis, and there's actually going to be a 
a public comment period on on these final rules um, sometime in July and August, and then in September, uh, at the end of September, the council is going to vote on sort of their final action. And so, you know, the things that we've been asking for is a cap on the amount of uh, quota that anyone could own in the two to five percent range, which is uh, pretty consistent with what we what is. Uh, the norm in, in a lot of other fisheries um, that are managed in similar ways. Um, and also for protections for, you know, inshore waters where you know, these smaller scale community fishermen, you know, they their options are limited. Um, you kind of have to fish close to home if you're operating at that scale. And so um, for special protections for folks fishing in those areas. And so, you know, if folks are interested, um, you know, we, uh, our organization, Penobscot East, um, you can visit our website, penobscoteast.org, um, and we're partnered with other groups like the Northwest uh, Atlantic Marine um, Alliance, uh, also known as NAMA. They're at namanet.org, I think. Um, and so there's a lot of organizations that are, that are working on this, um, and it'd be great to, you know, uh, for folks to be able to voice uh, their interest as well. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good because people are being heard about it. Yeah, it's been, you know, there's been a lot of good feedback um, from the public, and, uh, you know, it, it's it's important to keep the pressure on, on the council. The, the folks there are obviously get pressure from a lot of different um, groups, and, and so uh, interested public uh, weighing in on, on what they want to see in their communities and, and for their fishery uh, is, is really important for the process. Yeah. Well, I can give you an example that this is years ago, but I was I was the owner of a business that that we decided to sell out because uh, of the lack of being able to catch fish for our clients. Yeah, and uh, we we just we just uh, had an ethical problem about taking people out in a boat to go fishing for fish you couldn't catch. Yeah, and no, it was time to. Do something different. For sure. It's too bad, but that's uh, that's the way it was. But you need to take care of the resource, or you're going to lose it all together. I think, yeah, that's a really important point. Yeah. Something you got that, to. That, you got that, to. You yeah, know? that gets lost. You know, um, this this form of management. Um, the a lot of folks um, have really pushed for it and and really like it because. Um, uh, the theory behind it is if you give folks the right um, to the resource, they'll protect it. But what we've seen is is sort of actually the opposite, that, yeah. you know, in order to, to create a, a, a stewardship mindset and, fo- and, you know, empower folks who want to actually protect the resource, you have to keep, uh, keep it in the hands of the communities and the public. Well, that's not, not necessarily going to work because there's some people that will catch the very last fish. Definitely. Yeah, that's what the quotas are are supposedly for. But um, so, if people wanted to uh, keep up with this, Kyle, and uh, maybe even attend or comment uh, when the time comes, how do they keep track of of where and when that's going to happen? Well, that's that's a great question because the the this process is pretty convoluted, so they don't necessarily make it easy for folks to keep track of. Um, I'd encourage folks to, to visit um, our our website. Again, it's uh, PenobscotEast, all one word, um, dot org, um, and our friends over at uh, the Northwest uh, Atlantic Marine Alliance. 
um, they have a, a, a what they call is the Who Fishes Matters uh, campaign. And so if somebody were to Google that, um, that's a good way to keep up on uh, what's going on. They run a blog there. Um, and we're going to try to keep folks um, that are interested, that reach out to, to us as an organization um, with concerns. We're going to try to keep folks posted again um, sort of uh, later this summer. There's going to be that public comment period. And, and we're hoping that uh, the council will actually have some public meetings about this. So if that happens and they're in Maine, um, we're going to try to, to keep folks um, apprised if they let us know that this is something they're interested in. So they can uh, give us a buzz at uh, 367-2708 or, again, visit our website. Very good, Kyle. Kyle Moulton of Penobscot East Resource. You have one more comment, Giffy? Um, yes, if I could have take the liberty of changing the subject a little bit, I'd like to tell about uh, my trip home from Florida involved stopping at uh, Lyman Morse to take a view of the schooner Nathaniel Bowditch, which is being rebuilt there. And uh, you never know what you're going to see when you go to a project like that, but it was uh, very enlightening. Uh, those gentlemen there were doing a tremendous job rebuilding that schooner. It was a, it was a big job, and uh, mostly all new frames and all new planking, and it was just just a big job. But they were doing one beautiful job, and they had gone out of their way to search out the best material they could possibly get. They were using beautiful white oak. Uh, they were planking her topsides with the original uh, southern hard pine, uh, which they recovered from some building site up in New Hampshire. And uh, they're just doing a great job. And uh, it was wonderful to see these fellas that were doing traditional work on a traditional vessel. And it, it was just great. They're doing a great job. Uh, I didn't see any poor work there at all. No, no, they and, are having a good time. But and and, and they enjoy doing their work. But the other thing is, uh, I always say to people, I think that these uh, vacation trips on these schooners in Maine is one of the best vacations for the money in the United States. Yeah. No, there's no question about it. Oh, People yeah. come back from them and say yeah, that yeah. is the best vacation yeah. I've ever had. Yeah. <laughs> we have another phone call, so we're going to have to cut this short and uh, yeah. go to uh, another uh, another traditional craft, uh, the Hermione, uh, the Lafayette boat, the re reproduction uh, is sailing across from France to uh, New York and then going to come up to Castine in a little while. And I believe we have Chrissy from the Castine Historical Society on to talk about that. Good morning, Chrissy. Are you there? Hi, good morning. I'm here. Yes. Welcome to Boat Talk. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so I keep calling it Hermione because I'm American, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> the real pronunciation, I'll let you do that and uh, tell us about what, what and when is going to be happening with that boat. Yeah, certainly. The, uh, the pronunciation is Hermione, and it is a gorgeous replica frigate, which is coming, or it is here, actually, it has uh, been in Yorktown. It's in Mount Vernon today and heading up towards Alexandria. So she'll be making her way up the coast slowly but surely 
and arriving in our waters on Bastille Day, which is very fitting. That's June 14th. July 14th. 14th. July 14th, yes. yes. Yep, a Tuesday. So <laughs> we're, quite a quick we're trip, gearing yeah. up. <laughs> July 14th to uh, Castine Harbor. That's going to be a big deal. Um, I understand Castine's uh, um, kind of rolling out the red red carpet, the expensive red carpet. to. Uh, yeah, it. well, the, I heard your caller earlier, and um, he's partly correct. This is quite an undertaking, and there are several dollar signs attached. But the town of Castine while they're being immensely supportive with all of the logistics, they are not paying for this event. Uh, this event is hosted by the Casting Historical Society, and they have been receiving numerous grants and wonderful private donations. We have the support of a lot of local groups, Bangor Savings Bank, and um, there's the uh, Maine Tourism Board, Maine Community Foundation, all are very big supporters of this event and helping make it happen. So luckily, taxpayer dollars are not being, you know, used on this event, but it's going to be free and open to the public. We're going to have several days, starting on the 11th in anticipation of the arrival, several days of music and lectures and outdoor movies and arts and crafts for the family, reenactments, just a ton of stuff going on, which is going to be really exciting. So you have a website? We do, yes, and I have just emailed it to your uh, your website, but I can say that it's the Casting Historical Society's website with Airmione attached, so Casting Historical Society, org. It's quite a mouthful, but if you go to the Casting Historical Society's website, you'll see a link to the Airmione one yes. specific. Links will work well with that. Yes, um, yeah, and I sent you the links as well, so yeah. if you don't receive them, let me know and I'll help out. Okay. We'll put it up on the WERU.org website to make the link yeah. there. Um, why don't you give us a little quick history and explain why uh, Lafayette uh, is coming or did come to Castine? Yeah, absolutely. So the ship originally came over during the Revolutionary War, and as a lot of history buffs know, uh, Castine has a lot of historical context with France. And the reason Lafayette came over on the Hermione was because he was a fierce proponent of America winning its freedom from the British. And after multiple years of pestering his king, the king finally allowed this ship, which was revolutionary in its day. It was one of the fastest warships ever built, and put Lafayette on it to sail across to America to find General Washington with this secret message that, the French are coming. They have your back. Don't give up hope. And sure enough, after Hermione arrived, a whole fleet of, you know, from the French Navy arrived and helped us gain our independence. And then the ship, with its captain, was sent up to Castine to do reconnaissance because the British had taken over the, the Castine area. And so the ship is now, today, sort of retracing some of her steps that she took back in the 1780s and working its way up the coast and coming to some of these really important ports of call that she was in during the Revolutionary War. Yes, I, and the ship itself, I've only seen pictures, but it's a pretty amazing piece of work. Uh, I read that there's five miles of rigging on that boat. and It's, uh, inc it's incredible, and if you go to the websites which we'll provide, there's a lot of specs on the boat for all of these 
boat building enthusiasts that we have in the area that I'm sure they would love to see. Um, the boat itself is 216 feet long, including the flagpole, and it's 180 feet high. So, you know, they had to take that into consideration with some of these ports going under bridges and figuring out the tides and stuff like that. It is 15 miles of rope. and 15? 15, yeah. Oh, that was way off. <laughs> yeah, and and it does have it does have the uh, the 32 guns. Not all of them are working, but some of them are, so that they can do some nice cannon shots off of the boat. And the crew is enormous. It's mostly a volunteer crew, mostly French, but there are some Americans on board, and um, they are amazing. You see these photos of them on the website, and they're up way up in the masts, out rolling out the sails, and it's. It seems like it would be pretty terrifying if you had any fear of heights or anything like that. But they're up there, and it's really, it's a beautiful show of this, you know, historic recreation, not just of the boat, but of how they've sailed it across and done as much authentically as they can. Hmm. So we're looking forward to that. What's the dates again? So the ship will arrive on the 14th. The festival celebrating the arrival will begin on the 11th and again if folks go to our website they can see all the events that are happening that are free to the public the ship will come into the harbor around four o'clock in the afternoon on the 14th and there will be a parade of boats escorting her in so if uh, your listeners are interested in joining that parade within the next week or two we're going to have information on our website about how they can register to do that and and help escort her into the harbor and she'll be here the evening of the 14th all day on the 15th and then she'll be departing in the early hours on thursday the 16th so lots going on in castine very good thank you chrissy we appreciate that information and we'll we'll uh, look forward to talking to you when we're down there next month thank you yeah Yeah, thanks chrissy i wonder if they've checked the tide uh, at four o'clock on that particular day, because the Bagadus River can be a fairly challenging place to have a large fleet of boats circulating around with the tides running strong. Yeah, yeah. I, I expect. I think you'll make it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you talk about me, I'm going to be sailing yeah. my little yeah. looters that, in there. That, unlike the original uh, area, um, I'll let you say Hermione. Um, this this model has uh, two propellers, uh, two uh, electric drive propellers and a generator on board so it's a little bit a little bit less of a challenge yeah so thank you chrissy thank you very much welcome bye um okay let's uh talk about marine art art pain uh, did you get that name because your parents knew you just happenstance be, a, be an artist no, I, no no you've been painting marine art for quite a long time um Oh, all my life, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Started with sketching with pencil, and I saw one of his oil paintings he did when he was about fourteen. Fourteen, and, wow! And it was a nice piece of work. This mm-hmm. is the first I've heard of this. Yeah, <laughs> you, yeah. Where'd yeah. you see that, Giffy? You showed it to me. Hmm. Oh, you mean I still own it? I don't oh, I'm a know. typical it's artist. A, I like to sell pic- what I what I do. There's a picture you did of a powerboat. Oh, I know. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you're going to be giving a workshop down in Portland. Uh, well, it's Rock- not giving. I'm Rock- going to be teaching some some lessons in yeah, marine okay. art. Giving is the wrong word, right? In in, uh, 
in Rockland, because Rockland's a big art center now, and, and there's a lot of interest in marine I'd art. I'd love to come down, but I'm afraid he'd kick me out. <laughs> no, you know what a boat looks like. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sure you'd do just fine, Giffy. Uh, when, when's this uh, going to happen? Well, unfortunately, the person who's organizing it is my twin brother, and he's currently barging around in France, and so I don't quite know what my oh. schedule is until <laughs> he comes home. We'll have to... Uh, uh, keep the news from that until next mo- next boat talk. Then it's going to yeah, be happening yeah. this summer. Well, it's going to be happening fairly soon. As soon mm-hmm. as he gets yeah, back, yeah. I'm going to be. Yeah. Now, what are these? Uh, are these a uh, a week's course or day course? Two nights a week. Two nights Two a week. Two nights yeah. a week. Yeah, three and three and a half hour yeah. lessons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For how yeah. many weeks? I don't even know the answer to that yet. Mm-hmm. A couple of weeks, anyway. Yeah. yeah. And actually, Chuck, my twin brother. Um, spent some time in New England, uh, New, New England, New Zealand this winter, and while he was there, just by happenstance, he ran into—and I wish I could recall the name—I can't—but one of the best marine artists in the whole world lives in a little town in New Zealand, and Chuck was lucky to run into him, and they got talking, and uh, it turned out he knew of Chuck because he's a yacht designer and fairly well known down there, and. Chuck has asked him to come up to Tenants Harbor to his home, and he's going to come to Chuck's really? home. He's going to stay there, and he's going to also teach some lessons in this huh. this little group. That'll be it's very, very, very good. Has he been to Maine before, do you know? He's been all over the world. I, I doubt that he hasn't seen Maine mm-hmm. being as nautical as he is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He actually so beautiful here, though. grew up in England. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Uh, one thing about painting water, marine art, I think it's it's – Pretty much impossible, but you do a very good job of catching the light on the water or in the water. Sometimes you have you make a picture of a wave and the light's coming through the water. You show that very well. Oh, thank you. Well, that, I've just yeah. recently gotten into watercolor. Um, it's it all my life. It was so challenging. I never thought I could do it, but I had the wrong attitude about it. And now I'm doing that. And with watercolor, you can really make my the sparkles father, pop. My father did a lot of watercolors. Watercolors. It's a beautiful way to paint yeah. the sea because yeah. mm-hmm. yeah. the light comes through it rather yeah. than yeah. rather than yeah. piling it up. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Huh. But uh, yeah, it's, it's funny that uh, light, light, how light is treated and handled in that aspect of painting is is extremely important. The, and, the hardest part, of course, yeah. is the sparkles. And many people say I put too many sparkles in, and I've always thought. Because artists are always reaching for some new technology. And a new technology I thought of was to put light behind an actual surface, like a panel. I've been painting on panels recently. Um, and actually perforate a hole in the panel and have an and LED light. lighting system <laughs> behind it so that you're actually seeing light. If you could, yeah, make, it, make them alternate yeah. so, so yeah. they actually oh, like spark. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's a great idea. Because <laughs> <laughs> this... this uh, Man, you know his work. Uh, Stoback. Oh, yeah, because well, he's the best he's, of the best. Uh, 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 he, he's done some of these paintings with unbelievable light in them. Mm-hmm. The way he handles paint, actually, uh, Alan and I were talking in his truck on the way down a little bit about marine art and uh, and the technology of it. And some of the best art is done with the cruddiest old tools that, the impressionists had terrible paintbrushes, just mm-hmm. awful, and they'd use their fingers and, you know, yeah. fingernails and the back end of the brush and everything. They got it all backwards. I'd be afraid to do anything without a good brush. <laughs> yeah. No, it's more of a matter of attitude than uh, equipment, I think, really. 
<clears throat> well, definitely, the, the, the breakthrough for me in watercolor was changing my attitude because I always thought, oh, watercolor is that light, easy little thing yeah. that English ladies did in the Victorian era, and it's la di da, express yourself. But no, it's, it's even more tight than, than oil painting. You have to predict everything, and once you put something down, it's down forever. Yeah, you've got you to yeah. plan with watercolor because <laughs> if you want some area to be light, you have to not paint it. You have to paint around. Your, your Absolutely. Light. And uh, yeah. Yeah, it takes quite how, a bit of planning. How much patience do you have to have to teach people? Oh, you're talking to the wrong person <laughs> if you've ever seen me at a traffic light. But no, it does take a certain amount of patience. To, oh, I think it would take tremendous patience. Yeah, it's, the word is unforgiving. Well, if you'd say to me, don't you ever come back here, I'll kill you. <laughs> oh, I'd love to have you. There. No, you know what a boat looks like. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah you see that sometimes when people make marine art as a soul, and uh, they have the sails going the wrong way, you know, with the wind and the clouds look like they're going oh, yeah. right yeah, to left. Absolutely, yeah. sure. And, and you see the, 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 the sails are built out the, the other way, you know, like, what were you thinking? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, Stobart never did that. <laughs> <laughs> no, he... No. Um, so let's go back to the Sea Princess for a minute, Gethy. Yeah. yeah, that's going to be the uh, Boat Talk Cruise coming up on June 21st, our, our, our annual Boat Talk Cruise, um, happening on July or June, June 21st, Father's Day from 6 until 9 p.m. And as you said, you designed the original... Yeah, well, I, I drew the original boat and her layouts and everything, but Miles Fitch is the man that gets the credit for really finishing the design. He I think if, at, if you had Miles here, he would say, no, Giffy did almost all the work, and no, I just did a little no. little bit of tweaking. <laughs> no, he, he, he did a great job, just a great job. And you never know how things would work out. The first boat was was always a successful boat. And uh, the shocking part of it was when we, when I got that brand new boat home, she hadn't been home more than a few days, and a lady, a lady in New Hampshire, called me up and said, "Oh, she said, Gippy, I saw the pictures of your brother and yours new boat. I'd love to. Could I come down and see it?" And I said, "Well, sure. No reason you can't." Well. Make a long story short, she came right down with her son-in-law the next day, and went out aboard the boat. And boy, she was in love with it. And she turned around to me and she said, "Giffy," she said, "Is there some way I could use the plans for this boat?" I said, "Yes, I think so." Uh, Mr. Fitch uh, took this my ideas and my brother's ideas, and he polished them into a finished product. And if you'd like to buy the plans from him, that, that's fine. And she said, well, she said, I want to build three of these boats. Whoa. And here, here my brother and I struggling to pay the bills on, on one. one boat. And she had three built. Mm. Mm. And then the boys on the islands built the sea princess for themselves. And then they built the... The Miss Lizzie. So there was uh, there was seven of those boats all together built. And the, the the first boat, I'm not sure where she is. The second boat that my brother and I have 
is like brand new. She's in Newport, Rhode Island. She's 40-odd years old, and she's in just gorgeous condition. Mm. She's in better condition when she, when she was brand new. Yeah. This, uh, this professional skipper that owns her, it's, he, he just fixed her up just unbelievably. What beautiful. is the user for? Passengers work, yeah. Like the yeah. sea princess. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and since then... He's found and bought another one of those boats. Huh. Yeah. I yeah. can't blame them. They, they, they slip through the water yeah. so they nicely. They drive like very, a, very easy driving boats. Uh, uh, I like to talk about it because the Queen, the first one, she had a, a, a General Motors 671 engine that we never ran hard. We turned 1,400 RPMs and... She'd make ten to quarter knots, fully loaded, with fifty-three people on board. Wow! Well, yeah. yeah, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, and that—that's yeah. the boat that we're going to be taking on the boat talk cruise for people who are, yeah. would yeah. like to yeah. verify for themselves what a really yeah. nice boat yeah. that is. And the other, the other part of the success was the people on Cranberry Island. They're the nicest bunch of people you ever want to work with. <laughs> They were just unbelievably terrific people. Everybody was happy that the work was going on, and everybody was interested, and everybody wanted to do something to help. That's nice. Well, that's true. Little Cranberry Island has a boat-building concern for for youngsters there, and it's very, very popular. It's beautifully run. And um, when we built that first boat, we were so far from home, that, you know, we weren't planning to have a luncheon party. Well, everybody changed that. <laughs> and the luncheon party wound up with about 300-odd people over at Cranberry Island. Wow. I mean, it was a big party. I imagine that even if it was intended to be a dry party, it ended up being a Oh, no, party. no. My brother, and, my brother and I changed that. <laughs> yeah, everybody went away happy. In fact, they were at 11 o'clock at night. They were still hauling people back to the mainland on the other ferries. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so uh, if you're interested in getting Boat Talk tickets to, uh, tickets to the Boat Talk cruise on June 21st, yeah, yeah. give Chris a call right now at uh, 469-6600 is the office number. Uh, if you'd like to get into Boat Talk, we have a couple of minutes left for a quick question. one 625 Nine three seven eight. We've got five minutes left. Somebody must have an old boat that needs some help. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you were talking about multiple boats, and, and you didn't expect that several boats would be built off your design. There's a fellow building multiple boats right now, or bankrolling them, and that's Donald Tophius, who has come up with a new small wooden boat design called the W-22 that's being built. Two of them. He doesn't do things by half measures, so he's having... Two of these little 22-footers built at Artisan Boat Works down in West Rockport. And it's a very pretty little boat. Uh, it's a keel center border. And the whole idea is there's plenty of places on earth where wealthy people don't have much water to sail in. Mm-hmm. And so it can sail very effectively in very shallow water. Right. Let's, uh, let's explain what W boats are for people who may not know. Oh, you're going to ask me to do that? Yeah. Giffy, well, you we, know better. Giffy, what are, what, what are W boats? What what, does, what class W? Well, I think I should be able to remember. I think it started with Joel White. Mm. 
Joe White. Did. Donald Tophius came to Joe White no, and I, said he I, wanted to bring back the age of big boat sailing, yeah. and, and Joel was a, designed a beautiful boat. Yeah. yeah. 76 yeah. foot. Yeah, that's the W. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's why I think they call it the W class. Mm-hmm. For White and as well as for yeah. Wood. Yeah. They're, they have a kind of a modern underbody, but a very traditional top sides. Yeah, right? so they're just as pretty as can be, and yeah. they're always going yeah. a little faster than you think they yeah. should. <laughs> yeah. And they're, they're, they're beautiful boats, no question about it. And it's, 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 it probably always will be. Yeah, yeah. Always will be a beautiful boat. Well, Joel, of course, Joel White was one of those des- – I mean, I, there were times he didn't really claim to be a professional yacht designer, but he was one of the very best because he had a lot of art. He grew him. up in it. And he yeah. did. He grew yeah. up building boats, so he certainly knew how to do the construction plan yeah. perfectly. But yeah. he, he had an eye for a boat. About half of his designs are absolutely beautiful. Speaking of eyes for a boat, Giffy, you remember that power boat that you and I saw uh, next to uh, – Nathaniel Bowditch down um, Thomaston when we were down there. You a, a kind of a gray power boat, and you looked over at it and said, "That is one ugly boat." Don't remember that boat, huh? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, well, it, it, am I going to be hung for telling the truth? We don't even know the brand name of the boat, so yeah, I guess we're. And I right. didn't want to know. <laughs> yeah. It, it, as Art is saying, it, it, there is a real uh, eye that, to make a, a good-looking boat, and some people yeah. just seem to have uh, total blindness when it comes to boat design, and yeah, they make these yeah. boxy-looking things with square windows, and and just uh, you, you you look at it and oh, you say, "Oh, I, 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 now I know what." Yeah. When you and I went, yeah, we, we, you and I went yeah, down there, yeah. and. and uh, you just looked over and said, that is one ugly boat. Oh, actually, I was driving to Bangor yesterday and went past a uh, a boat sales outfit that's up there in Brewer and looked to the left and there was a black power boat and the shear was the most reverse shear you could ever imagine <laughs> yeah, in your life. Yeah. I said to my friend, they'll never sell that thing. <laughs> it's just too ugly. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. Well, yeah. we're uh, just about sailed through an hour here at yeah. Boat Talk. Time for us to make room for uh, Rich Hillsinger and On the Wing coming up at 11 o'clock. Thanks to Art Payne and Giffy Full for coming in today. We had a good time. Thank you very much. Yeah. Thanks. Thank you. It was fun. Yeah. Good. And don't forget the Boat Talk cruise. Call nice, Chris. Nice to be here with Art and you. Yeah. yeah. Support for WERU comes from Gamble and Hunter Sailmakers, making sales for classic boats, cruising.